Hey there, and welcome to Thrivers, nonprofit leadership for the next normal. I'm your host, Tucker Wanamaker, the CEO of Thrive Impact, and our mission is to solve nonprofit leader burnout. Burnout is the enemy of creating positive change, and we want to connect you with impactful mission-driven leaders, as well as tools so that you can learn to thrive in today's nonprofit landscape. I am joined today, as usual, by my delightful co-host, Sarah Fanslow, our Chief of Impact. Welcome, Sarah. Hey, Tucker. Great to be here. Sarah is our chief of impact at Thrive Impact and uh, is full of all kinds of impact uh, that we're going to be talking to you about today, which is our fourth part of our strategic planning series that we've been doing. And uh, we've gone through why is strategic planning so important? We've gone through appreciative inquiry and co-creation. Last time we talked about data-driven alignment and the power of data and how to use that to align. And this week... It is a really good one, which is around being a learning organization. And why is this so important? This is one of my favorite topics, Tucker, I'm super excited about today. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you, define that, define this for us. What is a learning organization? Well, you know, it's actually a term that came uh, that or somebody popularized, a guy named Peter Senge. He wrote a book called The Fifth Discipline. And one of the things that he said was that a learning organization, by his definition, was organizations where people continually expand their capacity to create the results that they truly desire, where new Mm. and expansive patterns of thinking are nurtured, where collective aspiration is set free, and where people are continually learning to see the whole together. Mm. I love that definition. The learning and the whole together is my favorite part, I think. Well, and it's essentially, you know, fostering learning at all levels within the organization at the individual level, right, where people are able to uh, be able to be a part of um, learning type of practice or, you know, professional development. Mm. Um, It's also in the way that we create the conditions uh, that allow for uh, learning to even happen in the first place, like psychological safety, interaction patterns. Um, It's also in leadership and you know, and by the way, when we say leadership, we do actually think that everybody is a leader inside of the organization. Um, but there are people like the CEO or VPs who uh, who help set the stage for what it means to be a learning organization. And uh, and so we're going to get into some of those. But I think, Sarah, you know, this is something that you and I have talked a lot about around even the words that we use. And I remember you were talking about goals once and uh, you, you were kind of making the shift between growth goals versus performance goals. It was like a shift in thinking in terms of literally the even words that we use when it comes to learning. Yeah, 100%. I mean, so this is something when I was VP uh, of a nonprofit organization of programs, you know, I had a set of staff that I managed and we created yearly goals that we checked in on monthly. But um, there were always a few sets of goals one was a, what I like to call a learning goal, which is that, you know what, I don't really know enough about um, what I might achieve to set a, I want to be measured against this goal kind of goal, but I want to learn this quarter in relation to this area. So for example, if it was, you know, the creating a new partnership, for example, with nonprofit organizations in one of the areas we worked with, we might not have been able to say, I want to create five new partnerships. We might have say, I want to you know, understand the landscape and get ready to, to know what I'm able to achieve. So I always love to help people set learning goals and then also goals that, you know, they thought they could really hit. And it wasn't necessarily about 
performance, which is X percent of people did this or Y percent of people achieved this, but what is the next step from what you've done, right? Mm -hmm. Let's look at where you've been. Let's, and let's get together to say, what can you realistically do? And for me, that's, that's what it means to set a, a, a goal that's based on performance, which is what's the next step or, or growth rather, rather than performance, which is maybe where do we want to get to at the end? Mm. So Sarah, why is, why is being a learning organization so important? Why is it, why is this so important right now? Yeah, I mean, I think it is the defining feature of nonprofit organizations that are successful right now. And I and I think that oftentimes, and it really comes down to one thing, and that is the speed of change. Um, the speed of change has increased at such a degree that, you know, we as humans are often unable to kind of catch up with that rate of change. Um, and so being a learning organization is all about putting in place the practices and the processes necessary in order to keep up with the rate at which the world around us is changing. And I, I know, Tucker, you know of a really important, impactful study around the rate of change and our ability to adapt that folks will probably find useful. Yeah. So there was this great graphic that was done by a guy named Astro Teller. He was the former head of Google X. Uh, I think, you know, if you've been on anything with Thrive Impact, I actually found this first as a part of the exchange community that I'm part of with uh, John Berghoff and the team over there. Um, but uh, this particular graphic was so interesting, which was uh, Astro Teller was saying that the speed of change and the complexity of that change is happening at an exponential rate. Mm. Uh, and he, he, by the way, did this, uh, you know, many, 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 many years ago. It was not like just at the beginning of the pandemic or anything. Um, but he also said that our ability to adapt to that change has tended to be more linear. In fact, in some schools of thought uh, that the our ability to adapt to the ever increasing exponential rate of the change and the complexity of that change, that our ability to adapt has gone down, mm. um, that we're really struggling in many in many ways. In fact, when we do our Thrive 101 workshop all the time, we, we share this frame and ask how many of you have experienced that? And everybody raises their hand. I mean, it's literally Always. like every single time. Yeah. How many of you experienced the speed and the complexity of change happening at an exponential rate around you? And how many of you are experiencing that? I'm looking at that change and wondering and not quite sure how do I adapt? Yeah, absolutely. And so what, is that, what does that mean, that rate of change for you around how leaders need to engage in these, in these challenging times? Well, I think when it comes to being a learning organization, um, and especially what we learn as we go through a strategic planning process is... Um, is not being leaders who have answers, but being leaders who have questions, uh, not being the few who have the answers, but engaging the many with better and more powerful questions. Mm. Uh, we talked a lot about that in our co-creation uh, part two of this series, actually. Um, uh, but there's also a really great quote that I love, which is about our ability to be uh, relevant uh, in our day and age is not based on some single point in time. It's based upon our ability to adapt over time and apply yeah. learning quickly over time. Mm -hmm. It's our evolutionary advantage that gives us an advantage and actually is able to help us provide a relevant uh, or be a relevant organization, which is why I actually don't like the term plan. Right? <laughs> no, you In don't. this you case, like <laughs> strategic plan, like I keep finding like we use that phrase because that's what people know. Yeah. But really what we're creating in the strategic planning process is a strategic direction mm -hmm. that we're learning into. Yeah. Right. Yeah. As opposed to the plan that's like, oh, it's done. Right. There's something about the word strategic plan 
that almost implies it's done. Yeah. And yeah. like that in even, even of itself sets us back. hundred percent. Right? steals us from, you know, we're, we're, we're going to learn in the first week of implementing this direction. Why wouldn't we apply that learning as fast as possible? Yeah, right? absolutely. And that is that, I mean, I love that, that story because I think it illustrates the tension between old ways of working and new ways of working. And really, you know, the learning organization is about this new way of working, which is to say there's so much going on and so much always changing. We can either ignore all of that at our peril or we can really pay attention, listen well, and leverage our learnings in support of future change. Um, and one of the things I know we, we've learned from strategic planning with uh, nonprofit organizations is that a lot of helping people get into that groove around shifting from old to new ways of working is helping them establish a rhythm, right? And because it, it, it can sound ethereal, what is being a learning organization? Essentially, it's creating a set of rhythms around when you're going to come together to review what you've learned and, and understand how to apply those learnings to your future, mm -hmm. right? We did that a lot with one of our recent our organizations, mental health organization, and supported them in establishing some, some monthly and quarterly rhythms around coming together to say, what's our progress against this objective? How do we need to change it? And then what do we want to do next, right? Mm -hmm. Really simple in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we even do that inside of uh, Thrive Impact ourselves. We have a quarterly strategic planning process. Um, so it's really a strategic direction process, I should say, because I don't like the yeah. word strategic planning. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> note to self, let's update that in our own language. Um, <laughs> no, but we have a quarterly process uh, that we actually uh, learned uh, as well from another organization as well, uh, the Independence Center, which we mm. have worked with in Colorado Springs around strategic planning too. And um and we've also seen it in some of these types of operating systems that are out there, like EOS is one called yeah. you know, Entrepreneurial Operating System. And it's it's meant to get us into rhythms, you know, weekly, monthly, quarterly, biannually, and annually uh, around looking at what are we learning and asking reflective questions uh, and what's been the best of what we've done and how do we want to uh, apply our learning to our, our next quarter moving forward. And it's yeah. been really powerful for us. And it's been a great process for many of the nonprofits that we've been working with. I agree. Yeah, I think the other beautiful thing that shifting to the mindset of learning organization does, especially in the context of strategic planning, is take the pressure off or lower the, you know, the stress, right? Because so often we're like, we have to hit this and this is what success looks like. But if instead it's all learning and we're allowed and actually incentivized to shift on the way. It's just like, well, yeah, I could do that. Sure. Right. Mm. So it, it lessens the stress, I think also of this thing called strategic planning that can feel really daunting. And, you know, quite frankly, we've talked to CEOs, right. That said, how do I make this not turn into my personal assessment scorecard, right. As a CEO. <laughs> yeah. And it's by thinking about it as a learning mm -hmm. opportunity rather than a set of performance objectives. You know, Sarah, I love that you're saying that. We have had this phrase inside of Thrive Impact that has, I think, organically continued to come about, which is the phrase of, it's all learning. Yeah. Like, is it all learning? <laughs> what if it's all we, learning? What if yeah. it's all just learning, right? <laughs> Yeah. Like it's yeah. learning about ourselves. It's learning about our organization and our culture. It's learning about the people we serve. 
Like, can it be that light? Totally. I love that you said it depressurizes situations because there is this, I definitely have noticed this, um, you know, at the beginning of strategic planning processes of this, like, I mean, yes, they are important, right? Like, I don't want to steal from the importance of this process. I mean, as we're we're doing this whole series on this, like this stuff is important, but how we approach it is that much more important. Yeah. And that's where there's already enough pressure on people. How do we create it to where it feels light and in that lightness, we're able to learn and move forward together. Mm-hmm. Um, but that like depressurizing by like, this is what it has to be no matter what, um, th- that creates pressure for people. That's actually, uh, frankly, I would say that's out of integrity to who they yeah. are because if people are learning people, and especially if they're mission-driven people and they're working with that particular person or that particular you know beneficiary or whoever, they might look at the strategic plan that was created. And if it's not inside of a learning situation or a learning organization, they're going to feel a tension within themselves right. because they are learning from the people there that you or your organization serving. But if this plan is like, you know, so chiseled in stone that it will never be moved, it creates actually a tension inside of the organization itself where maybe we're not even living in integrity to what we're, right. to what we're doing, which is to create impact in the people that we're serving. Yeah, 100%. I love that. So, but Tucker, I mean, this all sounds great, but like, what are the conditions within side organizations that that foster learning? It's kind of easy to talk about, but I think quite hard to do. So what do leaders need to do as they think about, okay, this sounds great. What do they need to do inside of their organization to start making it happen? Well, I think I think for the environment uh, and the practices, well, actually, you know what, let me start this place. I think it does start with who you are as a leader inside of your organization. And and I think that one of the best things a CEO or an ED or VP or anybody who's helping, uh, you know, guide a a group or a team, one of the best things that you can do is to show people you changing your mind, Mm, show people you learning and being explicit about it, right? I thought this way before, you all brought this data to me or I got this data and now I think this way, right? I think stuff like that really helps facilitate that it's okay to shift. Mm. It's okay to pivot. It's okay to take new learning because we're always getting new information. Yes. It's okay to do that. And you doing that in an explicit way is one of the most important things that you can do. In fact, we coach our CEOs through a strategic planning process uh, as we go through it. Uh, you know, usually we'll coach them up ahead of time, but uh, usually about halfway through, there's always some learning that they're going to have that is shifting their thinking. Yeah. And so we actually coach them on, let's make that blatant and explicit mm. and tell your team that at the next workshop. Yeah. Um, because that's one of the most important things that you can do as a leader is to mm. be learners yourself. Yes. Right. Is embody what it means to be a learner um, and that there's there's always more to figure out and there's always more to learn. I love that. And it's so hard and so scary to do. You know, but I think getting support from folks to do it. And and I know when you say data, you also mean just people's thoughts and opinions too, right? Like people don't have to come to you with an airtight case to for you to change your mind. You should be able to, as a, as a leader who's a learner, you know, get a sense of where folks are at intuitively and, and be willing through conversation and connection to also shift uh, mm-hmm. approaches and opinions, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's what you were hitting on to. Yeah. Yeah. I also think it comes out in our language. Like we use different language inside of Mm. Thrive. 
Um, you know, one that I stole from uh, Ben Green over at Charity Water. He's their chief development officer, you know, and he had told me this, I think it was last year and it, man, did it stick so well. He said one thing that they do inside of Charity Water is they have a phrase which is called, which is safe to try. Yeah. Right? They even asked that question. Is this safe to try? Mm. I remember him telling me about this with their, um, uh, with their cryptocurrency fundraising plan that they were putting together, like their whole cryptocurrency, like totally new space. Yeah. And so they put together, you know, some of the some of the key components of that, and asked themselves, "Is this safe to try?" Mm, yes. And y- y'all have used that, Sarah. I think about like you've used that 100%. to me sometimes, where I'm like, <laughs> certainly, like I'll revert into this perfectionistic side. Like, is it right? Yeah. And then you're like, I don't know, Tucker. Is, is it, it safe, safe to, to try? try? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I know, it's good a good one. one. It's a good one. It is a good one. <laughs> This is, but it's so valuable of a of a reflective question for people to to their CEOs 100%. or EDs or or even just to each other. Um, so language like that that's more uh, is this something that we can learn from that we can try that we can explore uh, that we can see what might you know inviting each other into that type of a process. Another yeah. another bit of language too that we use a lot of if, especially if we're starting something new, um, but also as we go along the journey of of something that's been building is language like piloting mm-hmm. or, or, or would you like to test this with me? Like yeah. I remember we did a process um, and we, we actually do this with, within our strategic planning process uh, is uh, we have an analogy called the skateboard analogy, which is if you wanna build a big, beautiful car, you don't build the chassis and the door and the wheels and all those pieces that nobody can really interact with until you actually put it all together as a big, beautiful car. Instead, build a minimum viable transportation vehicle first, AKA build a skateboard. And then from there, let people try it. And then from there, uh, you know, learn like, yeah, it got me from point A to point B, but you know, my legs are a little tired and I kind of want to go a little further. Can we, can we add a, you know, take off a few wheels and add a, add some pedals and turn it into a bike. Right. Um, well that type of process is actually inviting to people, uh, where it's like, Hey, what resonates with you and what doesn't resonate with you, yeah. right? Those are things of language, like piloting what resonates and what doesn't resonate. Um, we use a phrase inside of, of Thrive Impact 2 called pluses and deltas. So instead of mm-hmm. positives and negatives, it's more like pluses, like things that we're proud about, things that we loved. Uh, and then deltas are things that we want to shift or change for next time. It's an opportunity, right? right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And we got that. That was actually an innovation that came out of City Year, a great mm-hmm. nonprofit um, that, uh, one of our dear friends, Brendan, uh, who's, who's worked with us before, uh, brought into our culture. And it was really helpful to think that way, right? Not yes. what was good and what sucked or right. what was positive and what was negative yep. is actually what was, what was positive and what do we want to shift for next time? Yeah. It immediately shifts it into a learning type of journey. Yeah. Well, and I think the other thing does is, is it centers and focuses on appreciation, um, and you know, that's one of the things we really hold dear here at Thrive Impact and is a core part of our, um, the way we embody being a learning organization, which is to always lead with appreciation. Um, you know, and we talked about this a little bit last episode, but so many things in organizational life, be they data or, you know, strategic plans or budgets invite fear. Um, they invite fear of failure. Right. And so people are constantly asking themselves, am I good enough? Am I smart enough? Um, Can I really do this? And 
when we approach things with an air of appreciation, starting first with what we notice is going right, it opens the ability to have a conversation about the areas for change, I think, in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the pieces of... Um... What are the strengths that we want to build on? Yeah, we definitely talked on that a bunch around having a more strengths-based approach Um, because nobody likes to talk about like where you suck. No. But we do appreciate knowing where what value we bring to a team and to an experience. Yeah. 100%. And I think a few of the other things, you know, that we've already talked about in some of these episodes, but just to hit on them again is the environment and the importance of psychological safety. And, you know, there was a... As I've mentioned before, there's a study by Google that was called Project Aristotle that uh, was studying quite a few different teams all across the world on what were the primary factors involved in a high-performing team. Mm. And the number one factor involved that was actually surprising to the research team, the number one factor involved was psychological safety. And you know what we know based on the neuroscience is that that was not a strategic metric or that was not a strategic factor. That was a belonging factor, right? right? That wasn't based on the skills that people had. That wasn't based on uh, the education or the talent. Um, That wasn't even based on the rhythm. That was based upon them feeling like they belonged, that they were able to share their voice, that they were able to take risks in meetings and not get slapped for it, um, and instead being able to learn from it. So that piece of psychological safety um, is so important. In fact, as I'm reminded of a quote that uh, comes from our, our our dear late mentor, Dr. Danny Friedland, uh, who is the neuroscientist who wrote the book Leading Well from Within. And he used to tell me, uh, and it still is forever ingrained in me around this, which is the primary purpose of every meeting is to move relationship forward. Yeah. And if you all think about every single meeting, we're all in a lot of meetings, y'all, right? The primary purpose of every meeting is to move relationship forward. If you move the task forward and you hurt relationships in the process, you have lost the meeting. Yeah. And it has been such a reframe for me of thinking about how are we, how am I helping move relationships forward? Mm-hmm. I mean, I remember Sarah, I've had, I've had times where I've accidentally or, or without me fully understanding, shut people down because yeah. I came in with answers. Right. Yeah. And I didn't lead with appreciation and and I remember, I remember Rob once came back to me and said, uh, who's been, who's on our team. He's like, he, he, he gave me feedback. He cared enough about me to give me feedback, which I really mm. appreciated. And I realized that I did not create those conditions that move yeah. the relationship forward with him. He felt yeah. shut down in the meeting mm. that was on me. And, and so, and I, I didn't get defensive. I was like, Rob, thank you so much for sharing that with me. Yeah. And, and I actually, I think I have a little something inside of thrive, which sometimes we use, which is like, if I'm ever in that space as a CEO, will you please write the word curious in the chat for me just to ping me out? Cause I, you know, we all have unlearning that we're trying to do. Speaking of a learning organization, sometimes that's involving unlearning old ways, right? Usually. And, Mm -hmm. and so that was definitely one of the things that I was uh, trying to process through of how do I create those conditions and those little ways of saying to my team, Hey, this matters to me. I'm not going to get it right either. Yeah. Will you help me? Yeah. And that really has helped internally, I think, as well. Well, I love that. I think what we're hitting on here is there are kind of a few core conditions and then some tools and frames folks can use as they work on helping their organization become a learning organization. And one of the foundational ones is psychological safety. And then there's some language pieces folks can use. And then there's some frameworks like pluses and deltas and skateboard that 
that individuals can leverage as they start to practice this. And I think, you know, you're going to have to practice becoming a learning CEO and a learning organization, right? You're going to learn about this and you're going to fail. So, and that's good, right? Because if you're willing to take the risk of jumping in to be this type of leader, um, you know, it, it's, it's a huge risk to take. But ultimately, I think what we've seen and what we've talked about a little bit is that uh, these practices and approaches are not um, just good for your team, um, but they're good for your bottom line, right? They can strengthen and improve your profitability. They can increase your impact in the community. And importantly, and everybody's talking about it right now, they can help, you know, support uh, retention and increase recruitment. And, and we've seen this firsthand with some of the organizations we worked with, right? Yeah, Absolutely. Well, and so that's why we put this in here as a part of the strategic planning process in this this um, uh, series we've been putting together, because one of the things that we do through the journey of a strategic plan, we've talked about this. Uh, I remember the first episode we talked about strategic planning is such an incredible opportunity for you as an organization to make pivot the pivots that you need. Yeah. And not just strategically, actually, even no. more importantly, the pivots you need culturally. Yeah. And that's why through the journey of a strategic planning process, learning how to be a learning organization, putting in those reps there. I love how you just said, you know, give it a, it's a muscle that you're building, right? And you're going to fail at it. And that's actually, yeah. frankly, the point. Right? Mm -hmm. And it's okay. And then just acknowledge it. Keep it light, right? Hey, I'm learning right now. Wow. I'm really learning how to do this because I'm unlearning old ways of behaving. Um, but it's, it's one of the things that we help uh, teach literally through the process. And I remember, you know, Independent Center really took as an example, they took some of our this process and they're like, oh, my gosh, they actually did a whole shift in some of their work um, in terms of how they captured information from people, co-created, uh, you know, a certain I, I think we use this example in the co-creation episode, um, but they really took a lot of this and applied it. And it's it's increased their culture like in, in a very yeah. quick way. And so, yeah. One of the things that I have learned from you, Tucker, that I am totally already stealing, um, but is this, instead of saying, I think, or my opinion is, is what I'm curious about is dot, dot, dot. And that um, the start of that sentence is such a powerful uh, way into share what you're thinking about, but in a way that is not giving people the answers. So if anyone's mm. like, what's the first thing I can do here, leverage this thing that Tucker always does, which is what I'm curious about is, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's such a perfect learning organization phrase and learning leader phrase, um, because it just invites a totally different type of conversation, right? Then yeah. here's what I'm thinking right? Like mm -hmm. that's the opposite of mm -hmm. here's what I'm curious about. Mm -hmm. um, so for any leader out there listening, try that phrase, try it for two weeks mm. and see what changes about your conversations and maybe Ooh. about your relationships. Ooh, that's good, Sarah. Nice little call to action there. Yeah. I love that phrase. <laughs> well, this has been, uh, um, this is seriously one of the most important pieces of, you know, you can go through all the great strategic planning processes, but if you don't if you don't create a direction and a muscle around learning, it's what leads to what we've always talked about, the old cliche inside of nonprofits, the old strategic plan sitting on the shelf gathering dust, right? Yeah. And it, the reason why it's a cliche is because it's said and happens way too many times. And this is one of the most important pieces involved in the strategic planning process is growing in your ability to be a learning organization, upgrading mm -hmm. your culture 
as a part, the old Drucker quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And this is one of the, this particular piece is one of the key pieces around helping you not only build momentum through a strategic planning process, but actually really launch forward in the direction that you need to go and want to go um, is by creating this muscle and building this muscle as a learning organization. Love it. Well, we have, uh, this has been our four part series on strategic planning. I do think we have a bonus coming up though. Yeah. Uh, We're going to be talking with some of the nonprofit leaders that we've done strategic planning processes with and, uh, and here, what do they have to say about this journey? Like, what is it? It's going to be a raw conversation. Hopefully, uh, that's what we're shooting for, uh, around how has this journey been? Uh, what does it mean to have data-driven alignment? What does it mean to grow in a learning organization? What does it mean to co-create? And what does it mean to leverage appreciative inquiry? And why is this so important? Um, so you'll be hearing directly from some of the EDs and the CEOs that we've been working with around some of this. So stay tuned to some bonus episodes on this series. Other than that, thanks for uh, tuning in to our podcast, Thrivers Nonprofit Leadership for the Next Normal. And uh, we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks, y'all.